whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Hey, hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Gridiron show. The panel is back again for another week. We've got Beck, we've got Christy, and we've got Nat. And guys, our last episode got people hyped for a potential national draft, which was actually really awesome to see. And we also had so many comments on the socials about our selections for our All-Australian quarterbacks that I think it was actually pretty well received. Yeah, I think episodes like that where you get to like talk about, you know, the players that are actually in Australia and around the country competing, you know, for Outback, giving them a different opportunity um, to compete and have an actual, you know, little rivalry within our our country rather than, you know, having to travel overseas and compete against everyone else out there who, you know, probably have a little bit more experience than we do on that kind of stage and level. But to be to be able to compete in our country against each other, it's a little bit fun, a little bit of a draft. I think you're right, Beck. And I really think that um, it actually it actually made me think about outside just the state that I've played in um, and, you know, listening to the reasons behind why we picked certain players really was actually quite interesting and actually made me kind of go, oh, I'd love to see them play and I want to know more and that sort of thing. And, and interestingly, how we all kind of knew our top picks, who they'd be. I thought that was really cool. And um, I loved, yeah, I loved hearing everyone's picks. Yeah, that's what I got out of it, Nat. Um, it's that starting to think about that next level, like um, how do how do I, um, if you know, for listeners listening, how do I be one of those uh, top picks, or how do I make my name in the sport? Um, I think just even just the concept of that national team really brings about that sort of stuff, the potential, and potential. Um, I mean, it generates interest, generates people, you know, really wanting to do well in the sport as well. So I think that's part of what got people excited, potential. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, our listener question for this week actually came in a couple of times on our DMs, which is a fair point. And it was, I guess, what was our, what's our rubric or our marker for our all Australian nominations? And, you know, it's something that we spoke about offline, but I wanted to talk through and kind of give everyone an opportunity to discuss their thought process. Um, And for me, an all Australian accolade is something that I wish that we had kept track of a long time ago, like many years ago. I mean, We've had almost a decade now of women's competition with no statistics, no recognition. And there have been players that have come and gone through the sport who during their career were exceptional or currently on their way to achieving really great things. And I think it's important that we can give that recognition to some of these players responsible for the development and growth and successes in our game. And Christy, as someone who was named in the All-American team back when you were playing in Chicago, what's your thoughts on how we should kind of look at awarding these hypothetical nominations? Yeah, you're absolutely spot on because, um, you know, that's perhaps one of my biggest takeaways or accolades um, from my career and particularly from my um, my uh, career overseas as well. Um 
uh, to be named, you know, next to Odessa Jenkins of all people, um, who was previous all world running back. It just it kind of gives you a bit of a marking of where you stand. Because um, I could have come away from that competition and thought, yeah, personally, I thought I had a great season, but it actually showed that overall um, where you stood. So I think that's really, really important. I think you need to look at things like, obviously, for um, particular positions, stats are, are a good fallback to, to, to look for. Um, and that's what was used um, for the for the All-American first team. But, you know, for us here, it's about those that are, are game changers, uh, momentum changers, you know, the, the, the people that you just just when they come on the field they make a difference um those standard setters as well um where they take it up a notch um where their skill level you can see that they've really worked at it I think they're the kind of people we want to recognize that are really putting in the effort into being better in their position in the sport yeah I 100% agree Christy I think it's it's a little bit different for us over here because like Stace said we don't keep track of stats where I think in pretty much every other league there is around the world that's how they classify their all-American or all-star players is based on stats. But for us, it's, you know, you know, those players that stand out, those players' names who you hear being called over and over and over again. It's those, you know, those players who you see leading teams. It's those players who you see stepping up and making plays when plays need to be made. And, you know, like you said, momentum changes on the field. I agree with that, Beck. And I also think that, um, you know, game changes, like, you know, hearing that you say that, Kay, I think that's a really good, um, you know, kind of umbrella to, to call it what it is. Um, but I also think there's a lot of, um, you know, if I think about my own position, right, linemen don't have stats, you know, unless, you know, we, we're counting pancakes, which, you know, some of us are. And <laughs> and, um, and and I think that, um, you know, if we start then relying on, you know, if, if I think about linemen, for example, you think about, you know, yards gained by running backs, then, you know, is that a reflection of O-line, you know, and their performance? But if then that is the, you know, criteria, then you almost put all of your eggs being selected based in your running back. And if you don't have a running back that, you know, is of a really high standard or, um, you know, football like your, you know, uh, abilities, then do you kind of miss out? Um, and, and I think um, one of the things for me that I, I think is quite interesting um, is we're not all in the same competition either, right? So if we were going to talk about an Australian you know, selection for an All-Australian team, how do we kind of get consistency between leagues? Because it's very easy for us to do state-based competition, you know, all-state, you know, these are our All-Stars. If we had, you know, if money was no object and this is the team you'd put forward, uh, how do we do that on a state, on a, a national level if we've got, you know, different leagues going on? So um, I think, you know, stats are always a good fallback, Kay. I agree with that. But, um, you know, we don't have a central stat collection um, location, you know, we don't have a framework for selection as such that people understand why they've been picked and, you know, that type of thing. So I think we've, we've got an opportunity and I think our, the more we do national campaigns is going to help that because we get the visibility. We're starting to know the names of players in other states, which I think is really a reflection for, you know, how our great game can grow to the future. So. And, um, Nat, and you, you made me think when you were talking about that, just the different leagues um, across Australia. And I think things like this are, are great things to have and conversations to have. Anything that pushes for uh, a more level playing field or consistency across, because again, um, running back, even just running back for a running back stats for a seven aside versus a nine aside versus an 11 aside, depending on what league you're playing, will be very, very different. So um, I, I, I think this again points out um, how we've got to 
grow the sport in different ways in different places with different um, efforts in different areas so um, I think these conversations and trying to have these uh, all Australian platforms will draw out some of those issues that we have or in discrepancies that we have and I think they're good things to draw out definitely definitely that was great that was a that was a great question you guys there you go so we welcome all of our listeners' opinions, thoughts, et cetera, um, on our nominations. But, you know, bear in mind that this is our unofficial Mojo hypothetical nominations. But I still think it's important that we recognize those who have come before, who are still and who are soon to be some of the greatest players in our game. And all right, let's roll into our first segment tonight with special guest Lindsay Maloney and our All Ball segment. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? football, let's go! It's what we dream to do. It's not just a man's game anymore. Go, go! doesn't matter how you separate us, we're still one big team, and that's for women's football. It is in our DNA, spiraling through double helixes. It courses through our veins. Through this blood, we are connected. Football is our family. That's right. So this week we are joined by special guest, Lindsay Maloney. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you all and answer some questions and spread the love of all the medical things. Yeah. And, and we definitely all have questions. And I guess I just wanted to start by introducing you and your history. Now, you're a qualified sports trainer. You have worked with and around football for years uh, with teams uh, and players in both Australia uh, and Canada. Firstly, I just want to know, what's the difference between a sports trainer and a physio? That's a great question. So in the States, so I'm American, my designation is an athletic trainer from the States. And when I moved over here to Australia, they don't recognize that. So that's where I did my sports trainer in Australia to be able to actually do stuff legally here with teams. Um, there's a big difference between your sports trainer, your physio, your athletic trainer in the States. The athletic trainer designation came from people basically recognizing that what people learn in physiotherapy school or in the States physical therapy and what they're actually practically asked to do with a team, there's there's a gap. There's a gap in information and there's a gap of, it's more a gap of experience really than education. It's a lot of people will go through school, but they don't get that hands-on learning that is necessary. So a lot of that hands-on learning comes from more of an internship style learning rather than school. So they decided, well, let's shorten that gap and make it smaller and actually create a profession where you get that hands-on learning. So athletic training was born and it's basically how I could accurately describe it is you are going to be focused on your skill set towards active populations. So that doesn't necessarily mean high performance athletes. It could be weekend warriors. It could be anyone that has activity in their life and whatever that means for them. The traditional setting for athletic trainers is going to be on the sports field or working as kind of an adjunct clinician in a, in a hospital, um, most likely in an orthopedic office. But my clinical background with it was in um, American football and ice hockey. So those were my sports in the States and Canada. And then moving here, did some coverage with soccer as well as football, but the big difference would just be related to the actual hands-on information that they've got. So physical therapists and physios will be 
huge into the clinical rehab side of things, but wouldn't necessarily have as much on-field experience as somebody who is designated as an athletic trainer. Yeah. And I mean, I've had the pleasure of working with you for a good couple of years now and on multiple occasions. And what I love about you personally is I love your philosophy um, and your focus on things like yoga, on breath work, on, on knowing your body. And, you know, I guess what the question is that we always get, uh, especially from rookies when they come onto the team is like, what else should I be doing? You know, um, how, how else can I get better? What should I be doing? Um, you know, that's not at training. And I wanted to kind of, uh, get you to explain like how important it is one to know your body and two, what things like yoga and breath work and just being in tune with your body actually means for an athlete. Yeah, I think that that's a huge question, especially when you're kind of delving into that hurt first injured and your mindset and what that actually means. I think that when you've got a team or players that have every single thing at their disposal, they've got people that are telling them, they're like, you are injured, you are hurt, that's sore pain, that's muscle pain, that's nothing to worry about. But when you're in a situation where maybe there's not funding, there's not the resources to have those trained clinicians, it's it's on you. It's on you as an athlete to kind of know your body and be able to make that distinction. Um, for me, I was living in a developing country and that's where it really came to light for me as I was doing sport development in the Caribbean and these people just didn't have access. They didn't have access to clinicians. So they were forced to make those decisions by themselves, which um, opened a lot of thoughts for me in the sense of, We've been conditioned our whole lives sometimes as athletes to be told where to go, what to do, and et cetera. But then when you're put in a position where that's not in existence, what do you do? And I think it's really crucial that ultimately it's your body. So you should really have an idea of how to be in tune with that. So if somebody is telling you something, if you genuinely don't think that's true, you should have the ability to be like, that's not right. My gut's not telling me that's right. My intuition's not telling me it's right you and I are different every person on the panel is different than me and so what's necessary for me to excel in my sport is probably going to be different than you and it can't just be a blanket statement I think that when we're talking about football specifically or gridiron specifically it's it's also largely position specific so if if I'm trying to do exactly the same training as somebody that plays a completely different position to me I should be able to be intuitive with my body to be like actually that's not that's not position specific to me. That's not necessarily going to help me. How can we kind of change it? And things like, I call it moving meditation because meditation for me doesn't actually really work. So more on the yoga and the movement works. Um, and the breathwork side of things, you get to be like, you get to, you just get to learn to do what feels good. And I think that's really important when we're talking about collision sports specifically is if you kind of learn your body enough to realize what feels good, the flip side of that is when you're doing something, especially if it's taking contact, you'll be able to be like, that doesn't feel good, but that's painful, but I'm not actually injured. And I think that's a really important distinction to be able to address that kind of, it doesn't feel good, but I'm still functioning, right? Versus that doesn't feel good. There's something really, really wrong. 
Yeah. And I mean, and you know, when you were saying that, you know, you were in a, a developing country and they just didn't have access. I mean, that's, that's similar to women's sport, right? Like a majority of women's sport right now is we are kind of left on our own devices to go, okay, so how do I manage my body? And, you know, after a game, like the amount of injuries that we see and we go, okay, well, how do I manage this? And what could I have done to prevent that? I think is a really important thing that uh, so many athletes around the country could actually benefit from. So Lindsay, I think it's really good that, you know, the points that you've made around being in, in touch with your body and knowing your body, you know, um, as someone who I suppose, you know, really tries to understand when it feels good and, and, you know, when it doesn't, I think that's a great way to describe it, especially for younger players that are new to the game. Um, I guess my question for you is, um, you know, obviously as somebody who has been pretty injured, you know, through a concussion um, playing the game, uh, there's a lot of pressure, I guess, to come back and play, you know, as soon as you can, because, you know, I think it's one of the things that because we can't see a concussion, you know, sometimes it's go, well, are they actually hurt or are they actually injured? So I guess my question to you is, you know, um, what's the downsides of rushing back too quickly? Um, you know, just, I suppose, try and, um, you know, get back on field as soon as possible, not just concussions, but, you know, I've seen plenty of girls play with pretty serious injuries. Um, you know, Christy, I'm sure you could talk to that <laughs> very easily. But, yeah, that, that's my question to you, Lizzie. I'm keen. Cool. I think that one really important distinction to make is specifically with respect to concussions, don't rush it. That's You can't see the brain. Like, by definition, a concussion is an un recognizable impact and injury to the brain. It's not something that shows up on MRIs or CAT scans or anything like that. It's it's purely sign and symptom based. So that would be one category. I'm like, if you've been assessed by a, a licensed medical practitioner that's allowed to say you've got a concussion, um, don't come back early. That's it's your brain. You've got one of those. We don't have anything to fix that. We can fix a break. We can help with tape. I can't tape up your brain. So um, I've personally been in ICU from a concussion. I was in ICU for a week. So for me personally, concussions are a black and white no-go zone. Um, and I would hazard to guess that a lot of people hopefully will have that same opinion. And if they don't, I'd be gravely concerned. <laughs> so that's one thing with, with respect to concussions. I think that when you're talking about the other side of things, the hurt versus injured question becomes really interesting. Um, for me personally, in my skill set, I try to do everything I possibly can to keep somebody playing and get them playing if they're medically cleared to do so. And that's why it was really important to make that distinction with the concussions. I think that coming back to early, there's definitely a fine line whether you're going to potentially risk further damage or if you're just going to delay healing. So I think there is that fine line and why it's so important to be in tune with your body is that we're, it, once you get to that point, you can kind of be like, cool, that hurts. It doesn't feel good, but I'm functionally able to do it, which is different than saying that hurts. It doesn't feel good, but I can't functionally perform. When I was working with teams, I think the bigger question of like coming back too early is understanding the risks associated with it. So is it going to delay your healing longer term, but can you do it? If that's the question, then the question I'd always usually throw back at athletes is if you're coming back quote early and you're going to potentially delay your healing, is that actually beneficial to your team or not? Because if you're coming back when it's in that gray area, it'll delay healing, but functionally I'm okay does functionally I'm okay actually mean I'm performing to the best that I can? And if the answer to that question is no, then if you're looking at the sport as a team sport, the bigger question is probably, is my backup going to be able to perform better for my team? 
And when you think about it from that perspective, I find that interacting with athletes on a level that they understand if their goal is to help their team, then you can remove a lot of that selfishness and you can remove a lot of the questioning. Because if I can, if I can throw it back at you and say, well, sure, are you functionally fit, but is your backup better because you're still on that gray area and you tell me yes, then you probably don't want to go back early. So I think that, yeah, there's some things that are medically black and white, but when you're in that little bit of a gray area, I think the more important thing to consider is that it is actually helping your team or not. And I know uh, Christy Moran definitely <laughs> definitely has a couple of injuries and a couple of war stories that, you know, I think are definitely a place for another podcast, but I know, I know that you have some questions slash comments around this, Christy, what do you got? Yeah, definitely. So, um, and I, I will admit, I have been one of those people who are uh, someone who is injured, but probably treats it like she's hurt more than anything. Um, but, and and I guess as I've gotten older, um, and and I probably wouldn't come off the field when I pro- perhaps should. Um, I didn't want to miss a down. I didn't want to miss a rep. I didn't want to miss out on play. Um, and I think uh, a lot of it in a lot of teams probably we didn't have the coaching where we had the depth um, where I probably felt the pressure of um, uh, I, I'm I'm the man for the job or the woman I should say woman for the job, um, but. As someone who probably hasn't um, always had the resources or the time to recover um, all the time and done a lot of football in a lot of short time, one thing that I've noticed in my age is joint health. So I'm pretty famous for you can hear my knees from a mile away. Um, so one thing if I uh, people say, what would you do differently? And I say I would appreciate cartilage more. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my question is, what can athletes, particularly people starting out in such a, a, um, a, I guess, violent sport, a rough sport, a contact sport, that they can do to, um, I guess, the longevity of their joints and things like that? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's a fantastic question. In terms of joint health, I think the really big thing to remember is the body is this one whole unit, right? So we don't just have joints and muscles and all bones like they're all connected and if you're able to think about that joint well what surrounds the joint there's muscles that surround the joint there's bones that surround the joint sure but if you're able to think about well how can I stabilize that joint such that the majority of the pressure isn't actually on the joint but it's the things around it so for me the the big answer to that question I mean there's nutrition there's supplement there's all sorts of stuff that you can talk about but if you're just getting down to the bare root of it how can I actually help my own body? It really comes down to those mobilizations and muscle activations and all of that dynamic warming up before you actually step onto the field. Because if you're able to get all of the stability muscles that are surrounding the joint firing appropriately, then those are going to be the things that are taking up the power and the strength rather than constantly crushing onto those joints. Gridiron's a collision sport. There's no way around that. But what you can do is you can start to train your body of like, all right, if I'm going into a tackle, how can I get explosive power through my glutes activating rather than just bang, my hips are now colliding into each other. Or same goes for ankles. How can I get like the bottom of my feet, the tiny little muscles firing? Well, let's go on a walk on the beach. We most of us have access to that. Like get those muscles firing, get the calves moving in a way where they're not constantly tight that's going to reduce the load on both sides of our ankle joint and then that can help with mobility as we going going through so short answer to it would be get some joint mobilizations going all of that is free just grabs 
something, grab your fingers, grab Google and Google it if you don't have access to resources. So joint mobilizations and then your muscle activations to get the things that are stabilizing those joints firing appropriately. I think that's such a good point because it's so important to not just train at training, but also train outside of your football team to prepare, you know, your body for the high impact and the collision sport that we're going to say that we're going to play. But I also have a question um, based on post games and recovery kind of ways of healing our body as well, because it's not just about warming up, building muscle. It's about making sure we're taking care of ourselves after we've had, you know, hurt, injured, hurt or injured, or even just, you know, playing the contact sport that we play. And I have, I've, I've seen two different type of recovery kind of methods, and I just wanted to know your opinion on them. I've, I've seen the, the ice bath, the rest your body, the Epsom salt bath kind of style of, you know, taking it easy the following day. But I've also seen the opposite to, you know, get back in the gym, move your muscles, activate, you know, the muscles that you have been straining for the, you know, the day before in your game day. So just I'm curious as to, you know, what your opinion is, is more beneficial. I know it kind of comes down to your body and what you know, but, you know, the benefits to both. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, and with respects to ice baths and things like that, I think that the one interesting thing to consider is your ambient environment. So where are you actually? So when I was in Miami, for example, our team did ice baths notoriously almost after every single training session. A large reason for that was based on the heat. So the body is already going through all of this heat accumulation as we're exercising. But then if you, you're stopping, you're still in 90% humidity and if we're using Fahrenheit like 90 to 100 degrees so let's say 30 degrees Celsius that's hot <laughs> so it doesn't have your body doesn't have that time to cool down so a big benefit of, of ice tubs and ice baths is just getting the actual temperature of the body down so the higher that you kind of raise that core body temperature the more likely you're going to get muscle breakdown and protein breakdown and things like that which is not beneficial so the big factor with, with ice baths is cooling down the body temperature. There's, it's really interesting because probably about 15, 10 years ago, everyone was like ice, 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 every single joint in the body. And that's how we're going to go. There's been a lot of research recently that's talking a bit more about how ice potentially isn't necessarily the best thing for people post exercise, especially if it's an injury, potentially, depending on what that injury is. And the reason for it is if we're taking something that has this high, this high, tissue temperature and all of this inflammation going somewhere it's going there for a reason the body's smart it's trying to heal you and then if you zap this crazy cold thing onto it it's actually stopping that initial healing process so there's definitely lots of interesting research surrounding that which we don't have time to go into all of it but I'd happily talk to it if anyone has questions but ice baths I'm a huge huge fan of them I think that for cooling down the core body temperature if you're in a position where it's hot outside definitely that's a great idea and um, I'm a huge fan of aqua therapy afterwards. The reason being our bodies are largely water. So if you're able to kind of jump into water, the ocean is phenomenal because you already have that salt. It's going to actually help to regulate through that osmosis process, the, the fluid levels in and out of the body. So huge fan of aqua therapy, jumping into an ocean afterwards, a pool afterwards, rock and roll. 
with specifically grabbing into going into the gym the day after I personally love active recovery so I'm not a huge fan of the term cool down more warm down is a lot better term for me is you want to get that body from this heightened state and gradually get it back to that baseline so for me getting mindful movement as you're going through whether that be a, a run getting into a pool doing mobilization stuff, anything that's going to get that body from 100 down to zero on a gradual spectrum is going to be a lot better in my philosophy, rather than just, well, let's sit on the couch and watch movies the next day. That's not my vibe as much, but there might be other people that argue with that. And that's cool. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not, you're not mentioning my two beers and a couple of neurofin plus after yeah. a game <laughs> as a recovery method. <laughs> Linz, I, I just wanted to chat briefly about, um, you know, we've spoken offline about a program that you're developing um, around the hurt versus injured mindset and kind of discovering a sense of self after an injury because, you know, we're talking, you know, on this panel, you know, we're talking Beck with multiple ACLs, we're talking Christy with multiple broken arms, we're talking Nat with concussions, we're talking me with, you know, neck injuries and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, we spoke about the fact that you're developing this kind of program around how players lose their sense of self uh, when you become injured. And and I feel that we, we lose so many players in our game due to um, a lack of means of being able to access potential rehab or just a lack of not wanting to do it anymore. And I think that that's a really sad thing where we can't actually keep these players in the game because the mental side of injury stops them from continuing. So tell us a little bit about um, the program that you're planning to roll out soon to, to help us all with this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think, thank you for bringing it up because I'm really excited to share and you all are hearing it firsthand. I haven't actually shared it with many people except my family. So lucky you. Um, I just, over my time working in collision sports specifically, I just saw way too many athletes get injured and medically have to retire from sport um, and or medically stop playing for the moment, but potentially would be able to in the future leave the sport because they had this loss of identity. They lost their idea of who they were if, if they didn't have sport and they couldn't play, which is the thing that had defined them. What are they supposed to do? And too often I kind of heard from my athletes being like, well, they sent me to this person. They sent me to this person. They told me it's just part of the game, et cetera. And they don't actually address the fact that you have a person in front of you and you're not in like, you're a person, right? We, we need to actually heal the person, not just the injury. So it's something that I've been trying to work and chat about with athletes that I've worked with that have gotten injured over the past couple of years. And then I just kind of decided over the last year that especially with the COVID lockdown where everybody wasn't able to complete their seasons, I think that's where it really came to head to me is there were so many people that had lost their sense of self, but they're not actually injured, but still they can't play their sport. So there has to be something that we can do about this. So what I'm trying to do is effectively get people who identify as athletes, whatever that might mean to them, recognize that their sport doesn't define them. What they're able to do on the field is not defining them. It's that whole, you're only as good as your last game is actually a complete fallacy that doesn't actually all of the things that made you a great athlete when you were competing at a high level, none of those things have actually gone away. The only thing that has changed is your environment. You're not able to actually perform right now, 
but that doesn't mean you can't in the future or it doesn't mean that you can't bring those aspects of your personality to whatever goal you create next. Um, I think that the other part for me is that I just heard too many people say, well, I'm injured, I can't come back. And if you want to come back and you're medically able to, you might not be able to play now, but maybe next year you can. So kind of just completely writing it off because they're like, well, that's it for me, I'm done. It just got me really, really sad. So I'm trying to effectively help people with that next play mentality that we all would have talked about on a field setting of if you make a mistake, forget about it, move on, go on to the next play. Well, if you're injured, you still have next plays in your life. And just because you're injured and medically forced to stop right now, it doesn't mean you have fundamentally changed as a person like that inner athlete is still there. I absolutely love that mentality because I, myself, after my fourth ACL surgery, I was like, should I keep playing? Like, is this something I want to keep putting myself through if it happens again? Like, you know, it was really tough to make that decision. And I decided to sit out for an extra season just to make sure that I did the recovery right. And I was ready to come back, but I was, you know, in a good position where I had support to, you know, help me get through the year by coaching and being around the team so that I was ready um, to come back and play again. But there's lots of players out there that don't have that support. And I think that this program that you are creating is going to do great things for those type of players to be able to stay around the sport or stay involved and eventually come back if they can. You know, we speak, we speak so so often, you know, we speak so often about, uh, you know, come down and get mental reps, like, like that's it's such a huge thing because even just being around football is is so important from a training perspective but getting mental reps isn't going to get you the same kind of feeling that you get when you're on the field so i'm actually really excited to see this program that you're coming out with and there you have it yeah the ins and outs of recovery and strength and conditioning for football. Lindsay, I'm, I'm so glad that you came on the show tonight as you know, we've got girls training for and prepping for national trials, outback campaigns, state border battles. I know that New South Wales, we had our training session, our first training session on the weekend and I'm quite sore. Uh, So I'm going to take your advice and go jump in the ocean tomorrow um, if I can. Uh, And I just think that this is an important topic for everybody to keep, uh, keep players in the game. Um, and I hope that, you know, you get to stay on for our next segment, which our, is our much anticipated final segment of the night, Rapid Fire. Hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yep, 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 yep. Very good. That's right. It's rapid fire, which means it's all Australian nominations this week. Uh, and this week we're all about the backfield. And we're talking the little engines that can, the bulldozers, the elusive steppers, and the fast, speedy running backs. Moran, I have to go to you first. Uh, you would be most people's first choice for all Australian status here. Multiple national championships, Sun Bowls, all American nominations. Are you just putting yourself up uh, on the ballot here or are you opening this one up to others? Look, um, this is really an opportunity for me to brag, but 
I think it's also an opportunity to uh, a great opportunity in which to talk about maybe some uh, some other running backs up and coming. Um, and you're right, it is it is an interesting position to try and choose somebody for because you can have such different types of running backs. Um, and I guess for me, um, you know, like you can have the elusive. So you think of the Kestra. Um, Kestra Bessies is now her last name. Um, so Kestra is very elusive um, and very quick. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, the more physical uh, kind of runners like uh, Red uh, or the fullback type um, running backs as well. Um, and I think for me, um, you want to try and have the complete player. And that's what I've probably um, worked towards. And I've worked really, really hard for that. So to be the physical, but the elusive, um, the strategic, have the football IQ. Um, and I think it comes down to running back mentality too. You really do have to have the, uh, a certain kind of mentality. And my mentality um, for anyone who might be interested in playing running back is um, I like to have an extrinsic kind of um, motivation. And for me, it's reward my teammates with yards. That is my job because they're up, up, up ahead making obviously the blocks and things like that. So my job is to get the yards based off their back, back work. And I think that helps you keep training and keep mo motivated and um, keep working at it. One of the running backs that, and one of the beautiful things about this podcast is I have really got to delve into watching other leagues. And I'm going to go with someone who I only just watched um, a game this season, but, um, and I know uh, someone that she knows as well, which is Liz Patrick, who is also a great ball runner, if you've ever seen her run the ball. But Vic Latu, I believe her, her name is, from New South Wales, I think she has the potential to be all of those complete running backs. Um, and all of those complete um, aspects of a running back. Um, so I'm going to possibly put her name above mine. There you go. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Yeah, so Vic Latu from the Northern Sydney Rebels. Uh, she is extremely hard to tackle because she is so large, um, and I've seen her monster many, many a poor little defensive back uh, coming over the goal line. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Nat, I know that this topic has been a wealth of discussion in your household, having your partner running back extraordinaire, Tanya, in the house. Uh, I know you're going to be dreading this one because, uh, you know, you've been told to choose wisely. So I want to know, are you going to be sleeping on the couch tonight or no? Uh, all jokes aside, no, she is absolutely a fantastic running back. Um, you know, like Christy Moran, you, or oh, it was, it was, it was tough, but no, look, um, and look, there, there is a reason why I picked T, you know, she's, I've, I've had the opportunity to watch her from rookie, you know, to where she is now represent her country. And for me, that's, that's been some, something that I've actually like, absolutely loved, you know, like knowing her personally, knowing how she got there is obviously, you know, one thing, but her commitment to the game, um, you know, like her, you know, I've seen her when everyone else was rocking up and, you know, was, was chatting and, you know, mucking around before training. She's in there, you know, half an hour early before training, getting her reps in with her coach and absolutely following that, you know, that guidance of her mentors, you know, and, um, you know, looking up to people like Christy, you know, um, you know, to grow her own game. And and I think she's a very versatile player. I think, you know, she goes where the coach needs her and always gives 110, you know, on field. And, you know, I think um, 
yeah, I, I love watching her run. I think she's very explosive. I think she changes direction quickly. And I also think she's not afraid to fail as well. Um, she's definitely somebody that will go out and give 110%. Um, and if she fails, she definitely fails at 110. So, um, and we'll get back up and, you know, do the next rep. So, um, yes, I'm biased or not, uh, I believe she's an exceptional running back. Um, and I would block for her any day. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, you don't make the Australian team as a running back if you are no good at a running back. So, yeah, T is definitely up there. Um, having played against her a couple of times, she's definitely elusive. Um, I've I've managed to cop her a couple of times in the head, so I apologise, T, in advance. Uh, well, not in advance, post. She's short. Um, she's short. <laughs> the problem with these short running, running backs. Back. She's the perfect running back size, actually. I completely concur in that. Lindsay, I'm, I'm going to give this one to you. Um, obviously, you haven't been around the women's game as much as the rest of us, but I know you've definitely seen some talent uh, in your time with the New South Wales Coyotes. Uh, who would you put forward as your nomination for all Aussie running back? I think all of those are really cool points. And I think the cool thing about being on a panel with all of you guys is you've had the player experience, whereas I'm coming from the perspective of working with teams on that medical side and for me, those people that get that status, it's those people that when I'm watching, whilst I might not have those technical nuances that you guys do, it's they're those people that I can see are being an inspiration to other people to join the sport. It's the people that they're pushing the boundaries of athleticism within the framework of what is in existence, whether that be in Australia or in, in other countries where we play. But it's those people that I'm watching and I'm like, I notice you like, I want to be like you. I want other girls and women to be joining this sport because you inspire me. Yeah, I think that's a hard one. I mean, there's a lot of talent out there, but I'm probably going to have to go with someone from the Northern Sydney Rebels. Tegan, she just has some absolutely fantastic vision on the field. She comes from a really athletic background in various sports and has been able to use that athleticism to transfer over to the sport of gridiron. Just freakishly fast, really quick on her feet crazy ability to not only go in straight lines, but also just lots of agility, change of direction. She's just, she's just an amazing athlete to watch from somebody that obviously doesn't have the technical side as playing as all of you do. Um, but that, that's going to be my goal. That's going to be my goal. Tegan from Northern Sydney Rebels. Yeah, nice. Tegan Chandler. Uh, Chris Moran, you probably appreciate this. She was a uh, all Australian uh, touch football back in the day. She was also a Jillaroo. Uh, so she's been up there. And so I expect to see her uh, definitely in an outback squad sometime soon. So that's a great choice. And, you know, lucky right. for the, lucky for the Northern Sydney rebels, you know, they've got the big back in Vic Latu and then they've got the speedy back in uh, Tegan Chandler. So I, mean, I think I love her already. Awesome. I, think, I think you do. I think you two will get along really, really well. Beck. What's your thoughts on this one? Where are you at? I mean, I feel like it's hard to get through every single one of us in this panel and not one of us pick Christy. So, like, I mean, don't want to give her a big head. I don't want to, you know, make out like I'm picking favourites. But it's hard to go by. Like, go by the stats, go by the career. You know, she is just one of those backs that is always out there dominating on the field. She feels, you know, runs through the gaps, follows her blocks. She's beastly. She's agile. She can catch the ball. Like it's the whole package. You know, I don't want to go on too much because we all know she's loving this. But thank God. This would have been awkward if nobody voted for me. (laughs) You're welcome. I mean, you are the starting running back. So how do I not pick you already? (laughs) Thanks, Beck. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, uh, if anyone didn't mention Moran, I mean, I don't think you can turn on any sort of uh, any Queensland or uh, national championship game and not hear, and there goes Moran for a 60-yard touchdown. Um, and I have to, you know, for me, I have to give her an, I have to give her a nod because I've never been able to tackle you in my entire career. I don't think that's, I don't think that's actually happened. Um, and the same goes for Kestra Bessie. I mean, you only have to watch that clip where she puts the entire New South Wales Coyotes defense on ice skates just to see how dominant she is. Uh, but for me, I have to give another shout out to my New South Wales girls in uh, Red Han and the only Shari Only. Um, both of these ladies are beasts in the backfield. Both will put you on your ass in a heartbeat, and God forbid you get them running at you with their with you in their sights. Uh, we're talking league high rushing yards, pancake blocks, and just athletes, both of them. So Shari and Red get my vote on this on this one, and that's it. That's it for t- uh, that is us for tonight, peeps. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on the show and teaching us more about how to look after ourselves. First of all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, all of you, for having me. And as always, hit us up on the socials for which position we take on next week in our All-Australian nominations. Download and subscribe to the show We uh, wherever you get your podcast. Hit us up with a five on the reviews. And until next week, stay safe, stay dry, and we will see you guys next Tuesday. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.